Welcome to Conversations Beyond the Veil. I'm your host, Sayo Nickerson. We hope that you will join Brandon, Victoria, and I as we aim to make sense of the past, age-old mysteries, and historical figures through mediumship, where we chat with beings or spirits on the other side who have a story to tell. We never know where it's going to go, and we hope that you will come along for the ride. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Conversations Beyond the Veil. I'm sitting here with Brandon, and this week we ended up having an interview with Harriet Tubman, and we love this this particular interview. Do you want to tell us more about Harriet Tubman? Yeah, Harriet Tubman, which was surprising to me, was born in Maryland, which is a northern state, and at the time that she was born, I was thinking that they had less slaves up there than almost to zero slaves. It shows you how much I know about my own American history. And she is uh, well known for being this brave soul who went and she escaped uh, when she was about 19 years old from her own plantation. I've even seen uh, news clippings of her reward, which was $100, and it even went up to $300, a reward for catching her. And she masterminded and came up with all of these ways to rescue all these slaves. And I believe it was about 70 you, you mentioned. Yeah, so, um, well, I think she was about 29 when she oh, 29. escaped. Okay. Yeah, so she escaped um, from her plantation, made her way through the Underground Railroad all the way to Philadelphia and became free, and then went back 13 separate times. And brought back over, I think it's around 70 people that were friends and family just from the community that she was in. And she never lost a single person. And they were very dangerous. I mean, they were traveling at night. They had to contend with all kinds of dangerous people, you know, rewards on her head. Because there's big rewards for catching escaped slaves. So it was very dangerous. And apparently it was rare to actually uh, come back safely, you know, without yeah, anybody dying. Yeah, after that, then she was involved with the Civil War. She was a scout and a spy, and she led a raid that actually liberated 700 people. Because um, at one point in the podcast, I said, oh, she, she brought back 700 people uh, when she was traveling back and forth. But it wasn't that. She was only 70, but then 700 later. So it's her courage and bravery are just unbelievable. And we really had a lovely conversation with her. She had some neat wisdom to share as far as, you know, divisions and how we're pitted against each other and how we there's a solution to that for humanity that, you know, I hadn't really thought about before. So that's, that's in this episode, which I think is really enlightening. That's um, my favorite part. Yeah. And also, we had you and I had both done research on a different person in advance, but then for some reason, we changed our minds, all of us, the three of us, and decided to do Harriet Tubman. So I had seen the movie, because there's a movie called Harriet that came out not that long ago about her. And But we, other than that, you know, we didn't really actually have any information at our fingertips. And we do pause at some point to look up some stuff. But I don't think we'll do that in the future. It's just a bit distracting. I tried to cut most of it out. But yeah, it, it's a, a really, really interesting episode. And we really hope you enjoy it. Yeah. Enjoy. Enjoy. 
Welcome everybody to this week's episode of Conversations Beyond the Veil, where we are just trying a new format, so we'll see how it works. I think for the video, it might be better. I don't know for the audio part, we'll see. So today we're excited because we've decided that we are going to speak with Harriet Tubman, who was an anti-slavery, a slavery abolitionist in the 1800s, and she was a slave herself, and she freed a ton of people. I mean, her life story is really incredible, and we haven't spoken to somebody from this time or circumstance or era, I don't think, yet. Um, so it's, it's fun to just explore it and see what's going to come up. Anybody want to say anything about how are you feeling about this before we start? Well, I'd never heard of her, so but when you told me a bit of the story, I thought, wow, that's exciting. And I'm really looking forward to seeing what she had to say, what her life was like. Um, me too. Yeah. And I feel pretty connected to this era, and I don't know why. Oh. So maybe, because I believe in past life, so maybe I was a slave or around that time. Hopefully it wasn't a asshole slave owner. <laughs> Maybe you were a nice slave owner. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, let's, okay. uh, let's see. Please come visit us, Harriet. My initial sense is that she's a, a wise, she's coming through as a wise older woman. And I don't know if I'm just making this up, but I'd imagine her or I'd hear her having with a southern accent and someone who would like to tell stories. She kind of has that grandmother feeling that you can imagine a grandmother sitting on a porch and um, telling stories to like her grandchildren or the kids around. And she doesn't feel like someone who would be telling it from her own perspective of this is what I did. It's like she would just tell a story and even those kids wouldn't know that it was her that did those things. Like, she doesn't need people to know that it was her that did it. She's humble. Yeah, I'd say so. And it feels like the things that she did in her life, what she fought for, and who, it wasn't, I'll do this so I can get something in return. It was such an unconscious decision in a way. It was like the natural one. So she knew what she was doing, but it was a natural choice that she made. So it didn't feel like a fight, even though it was a fight, it was a fight against slavery, but within her, it doesn't feel like a battle or a fight. It's just like, I'm doing it. That makes sense because it was to save people that she knew. So for her, it's just like, I need to get my friends out or my family out, not like, and taking on the establishment. No. Yeah, and I'm wondering if she just, the feeling of being a, because she was a slave, so the feeling of being a slave is so deep and so harsh that I'm wondering if she didn't want anybody else to feel that feeling as well, or to just get out of that. I see her like a mother hen where she's got her wings over everyone trying to protect them. And I feel like I have no doubt she would have given her own life to save the people she loved. Even people she didn't know. I knew you were gonna say that right after. <laughs> um, I think that was one of the things she was most proud of, or at least from what I've 
read and seen on, on this movie, I did watch the movie, um, was that she never lost a single soul. Because it was quite an arduous journey that would take days. And they had to hide and they could only travel at night. And, you know, there's like, like dangers along the way. And she never lost a single one. Whereas many people dying, died trying to escape, I think. Mm. I'd be curious to know what, you know, what, what, what was it like being a slave in those days? Firstly, I just want to say I had this thought come to me. It's crazy how women or people like this aren't made saints. And I'm just thinking back to Joan of Arc episode and like, how is she a saint and this woman isn't? It's ridiculous. Especially not losing a single soul. Yeah. That's a miracle. There's this book that I read to Mia before going to bed at night, and it's called Rebel Stories for Rebel Girls, or something like that. Bedtime Stories for Rebel Girls. Yeah, in this book, each page is a story about a woman who did something extraordinary, and usually it starts with, you know, once there was a girl who liked to do this, but everybody at the time said, girls can't do that. Um... Yeah, so there's all kinds of people, and you read their stories, you're like, what? How come I don't even know who this is? Like, incredible selflessness and giving. I mean, I think that's the sense I get from her. She was just incredibly selfless and very generous. Mother hen, like you say. Definitely, and even now I'm feeling she's just grateful that she's being acknowledged right now. Oh. Yeah. It's Yeah, it's beautiful. It's like, it doesn't need to be about me, but I'm grateful that... I have the space here to share. Yeah. That's cool. Okay, so you were asking about slavery. Let's go back to you. Yeah, so I was just wondering, what it, what is it like to be a slave? Or what was it like for her? I just want to put my hand on my heart and go, ugh, it's yeah. horrid. Of course. I kind of feel like she's she's drawing me to the beautiful parts of it, though. I don't sense that she wants to focus on how horrible it was. It's like the world knows how terrible that was and we shouldn't have done it. Um, but there's something about the camaraderie in there and the people were kind of forced to band together within their community, within the slavery community. And there's a sense of beauty in that because it's like, they were living the right way, even though they were under the thumb of somebody else and another group of people. Their life within that, their community within slavery, was the way we should have all been living. Caring for each other, supporting each other. You know, if, if one of them's really strugg struggling, the other one will come in and, and help them. Like, it's... Um, what's the phrase? It's not... Oh, it's not every man for himself. That's just not the mentality. I don't feel that if rarely anyone within that community would have had that mindset. Would they stand up for each other or was that too dangerous? I'd say there are definitely 100% instances where that did happen. Or is it more like a subtle undermining of authority? I feel at first there would have been more outbursts of um, rebellion. But then once she realized that that isn't going to get you anywhere, that's where it goes more underground and becomes more subtle. And how can we get out from the inside? Because I can see 
someone sticking up for another and then they get beaten and then the person they were sticking up for just feels terrible and you probably have to watch that happen to someone who is trying to save you. So it's a sense of feeling defeated. Because when you're talking about that community, that's kind of what I was wondering about is, okay, they probably can't do anything, like something. somebody's getting beaten, and as much as they want to, they can't. They can only support them when that person comes back and then try to ease the load for them and do stuff, yeah. but having to watch that happen all the yeah. time. Yeah. And, and I, yeah, I get the sense that they don't do a whole lot about it just because mm. there's no point. And there's a chilling feeling that actually comes in. See, I can imagine them in community and, and when the slave owners or the people watching them aren't there, there's almost, strangely, I'd say a sense of joy because they're in their own space and they can forget for a second that, that you know, they're together. I mean, they're never going to forget that they're slaves, but they are together in that moment. And then when someone else, the owner, comes in, it's like this chilling energy just... And everyone kind of freezes and it's then you have to switch and pretend to be somebody else. But there's there's a knowing between all of you and like almost a secret telepathic language of just like a nod will mean something and That's interesting because that's what happened. I mean yeah. they even had phrases and things in made up languages in on the plantations that the owners wouldn't understand. Mm-hmm. That's really cool, yeah. They had to. It's a way of staying safe, staying connected. And I don't know if she's showing me things in her personal life or just a scenario in general within that time, but I can feel a man, a slave male, getting really angry. And there would be like, someone would make a noise or some kind of signal because they'd feel him. They would feel him, the rage building. And there could be a point where he would have an outburst And it's like, just through energy and just maybe a subtle click or a noise or one word, it's like, I acknowledge what you're feeling, but don't do it. Like, they hold each other silently, which I feel like the rest of the world just don't do and didn't do at that point. Because when I contrast it to the slave owners, they're out for themselves. The only collective energy there is to put another group of people down. Do you know what their living arrangements were like? Let's focus. Are we, are we getting specific on her life or just, just, just in general? Because she doesn't want to talk about herself as a slave, right? Well, she just didn't want to talk about the dark parts so much. I just like, I'm really struck by how powerful that image is mm. of them. Like, yeah, just stopping someone from to preserve them and they know how angry they are. It's so horrible to think that this stuff even happened and across the world now it still happens. We just don't hear about it. Or we do and ignore it. Yeah. I mean, there's the huge slave trade in America. It's huge all over the world. Yeah. I know, it's really crazy. And we're aware that it's going on. I mean, it's probably going on here. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's horrible. Repeating patterns as always. Okay. How did they live? I want to say they were treated like pigs. And there's only so much you can try to make something feel like home. 
And it's like I know they're capable of making a lot out of a little. But again, there's only so much they could do. It was a pretty, pretty miserable existence. Yeah. Any way you cut it, basically. Yeah. So, obviously, many generations of people lived and died in slavery in the South and other places. What sparked her? To do something about it. To do something different than everybody else was doing. There's something about her that's very incognito and, like, a very unassuming person. And I think that helped her, is what she's showing me. She's, like, the observer in a group of people. So she, she you know, obviously observes everything and is watching what's going on. So she's very aware of where she could make a change or how she could do something. So she's not at the forefront, like she wouldn't be the person, I don't feel, getting into trouble. Um, she hasn't yet made a name for herself so she's kind of not a target. She's not being looked at so much. I don't know if that's true, if you know that or not. Um, but my sense is that if she were already like a, a leader of the pack, she wouldn't have got away with it because they would have been watching her. Like they know she's a rebel, but I see her as the observer and she's very aware of everything, but it's kind of calculated in that way in a really smart way. So she's looking for weaknesses in the system. She just feels incredibly intelligent. Hmm. She must have been. Yeah. And it feels like everything came to her very naturally. So it wasn't like a huge... It doesn't feel like a, you know, 20-year-long plan and on this day they're going to escape in this way. It's just like bit by bit, step by step, you implement something else. And she's... She's cautious, but she feels very brave and trusting. Like trusting in herself? Yeah, and in her plan. And that I feel like she must have believed in something, some higher power, because she feels like she knows she's protected. It's like someone's providing her safe passage so she can provide other people safe passage. Mm -hmm. Sounds like she should be a saint. Yeah. So she was born a slave... And you asked what the spark was. Is was there? Do you know if there was a group of people that approached her? I feel like whatever group she was in, she was known as like the wise one, and so people would have naturally come to her anyway. Like she's not the leader, like on the front lines, but she's she's a leader in a different sense, and she feels quite magnetic. So people come to her for help, whether they're struggling or they've hurt themselves. Um, emotionally struggling, she feels like she'd be there for people. I can't remember how old she was when she first escaped. How did she feel about that when she left? It's definitely a sense of discomfort of leaving people behind and having to trust that eventually she'll be able to help because she feels very selfless and not selfish. So it feels like one of the hardest decisions she would have had to make in her life. Did she go through the Underground Railroad just like she helped people go through herself? I... Hmm. Oh, I can't remember. Because if she went through the Underground Railroad, that'd be it. I don't know if it was like that she found her way 
and and different people helped her along the way and then she then went back and used those same people again or if that was already set up and she went and found the right people I mean that would be a key thing to remember from the movie can you ask her if she went and found other people to help with the underground railroad like set up safe houses or anything like that or if it was already set up for her I don't feel like she's the mastermind and built the whole thing. No, that's right. You're right. Because then when she finally got to Philadelphia, wherever it was she was going, that was free. Like she went to a specific place and showed up and said, okay, I'm here. And so I think she had been, she'd heard about this somehow, perhaps. I I really don't know for sure. So please, but um, yeah. And then I think, and then she asked, she's like, well, I want to go back. I'm going back in. I'm going to well, go. This story of The Handmaid's Tale. Um, not for a long time. Oh my god! This just bringing up that for me. You should watch it. It's terrible but great. <laughs> um. Yeah, like it's already set up, and she makes it out, but she chooses to come back and help other people. Are you talking out. about Handmaid Handmaid's Tale? No, I'm talking about. Oh, okay. Harry. Harry. But that's also what kind of happens in Handmaid's Tale. Um, and sometimes Spirit will show me a reference of something that I know to explain something mm-hmm. they're trying to show me. So, <laughs> makes sense. <laughs> but she's not as vindictive and horrible as June was in Handmaid's Tale. So. Um, I've been wanting to watch that, actually. I never got around to it. Because I, I remember seeing the miniseries a long time ago. You should. There's a point where she like gets so many children out and she chooses to stay herself because her child's not on the plane mm. and she could have left. Yeah, That could easily have happened to Harriet Tubman, I think, in that, you know, if, yeah, if there some, somebody had been compromised that she would have just stayed with them, yeah. even if it cost her her freedom again. Yeah. She's just so brave. I mean, that's obvious to say. And I know and have no doubt there would have been moments where she felt intense fear but she's not coming through as fearful. She's not explaining this time to me as one where she was fearful. I feel like the scariest part, the most challenging part was her leaving initially, not knowing where she would go, how it would end, what it would mean for the people she left behind as well. But there's something in her that's like, I have to go. There's a window here and I have to go. And she didn't know where it was leading her, but then it made sense when she eventually started helping other people go through. That makes sense because the unknown is scary, but then once she knew, she's like, I can do this. Yeah. And so it probably wasn't scary. It was more just like a challenge. Now that she's on the other side, can she say, or does she know why she, she didn't um, lose any souls on her, on her travels, on her, on the underground, in the underground railroad? There's someone here that I feel like I need to compare her to. Um, Like someone who we would see as a saint or an ascended master, like Mother Teresa or Mother Mary, someone like that. She just feels very divinely protected. I mean, anything could have happened. Like she, it's not like in risking her life, there was a guarantee that she'd be okay and everyone else would be okay. Yeah. 
but there's something in her that knows that and just the trust is what keeps her safe and and what i'm asking is what kept the others safe was it just her presence that perhaps she gave some of that light to those she was freeing yeah it's almost like they are passing through her and she is the light so she's like this tunnel or channel of light that they're passing through and that then gives them safety and it doesn't mean that other people who are perhaps doing the same thing wouldn't have saved people or they weren't doing it for the right reasons or they weren't divinely guided but there's a focus on her right now I'm wondering for, I mean, obviously this was a pretty big life and a big role to play. You know, was there a lot of preparation, you know, going back to the soul level, was mm -hmm. there a lot of preparation for this life and like, you know, knowing that she was going to, I'm just curious about like how she ended up choosing this particular mm -hmm. life. I don't know why I'm really strongly seeing and feeling the color yellow. Um, and I'm thinking of that Brian Weiss book. With the, is it Brian Weiss? Am I thinking of the other guy? That's a girl. Mm -hmm. Michael Newton. With the, you know, the one. Oh, the journey of souls. Yeah, with the, each soul is a different color, but I feel like yellow is one of the younger souls. Yeah. But I don't, I don't know that she is a younger soul. Is the yellow like a, maybe golden or like the auras of saints? I just see that whatever that light is spreading across a whole group of people. So perhaps all these people that she saved were within her soul group um, or, you know, branches off that that were fairly close, but her light envelops all of them. So they're on this journey together. It's not like on a soul level, yes, she's leading it and choosing to be the martyr in a sense, but like they are all in it together and she's the one who takes on the bolder task. But why? Is that because she's a more evolved soul? And not necessarily. It was just her task she's, this lifetime. She's just a very brave soul. It doesn't, and that doesn't mean that she's lived many, many lives before that. She may have, but it doesn't mean she has to. I feel like some souls are born with the essence where they're like braver and more courageous, and maybe mm. that makes them do stupid things in life as well. Um, but I'm not saying her choice was stupid, but her bravery paid off. Whereas with someone else, it may not have. Mm -hmm. So if we're in the spirit realm and we're looking at slavery as a whole, it feels like there are many factions of that. People that she would never have even known and, and from different time periods. Like there were lots of seeds planted where these things could have happened um, and change could have been made and was made. And maybe not all of them developed and and grew and some of those souls didn't for whatever reason, carry out what they plan to. But she's saying she's not the only one. Mm -hmm. And one of many. What propelled her to actually go? Did I ask that already? Kind of said the spark, but... Yeah, it's no, like... We didn't, we didn't look at why. Yeah, like, why did she go when she did? I sense that there's, like, a drastic moment where she has to choose. Um, it feels like things where she was were getting worse i'm hearing like they were cracking down perhaps even there was more violence she didn't feel safe and like she would soon be a target for some reason so there was a sense of urgency of, yeah like you should really do this soon yeah are you talking about when she escaped or yeah the first okay. time because it feel, feels like a very spare of the moment decision 
And there were people there who would have told her to go as well, people very close to her who would have said, just leave. Mm. Can she talk a bit about her family that she left behind? I see one particular woman telling her to go. She feels like she's older than her, so I don't know if that would have been like her mother or an aunt or it could have just been someone close in the community. But there's this knowing and this understanding between everyone that even though they are so connected, if you have an opportunity, it's not selfish to take it. You don't have to suffer in solidarity. It's not like that at all. They want each other to get yeah. out if they can. Yeah. Imagine, you know, if that was your child, you would say, you have to stay and suffer with me. That would be horrible. And as a child, you wouldn't want to leave your mother or someone you love because it would feel selfish. Mm. At the same time, she could probably, okay, I'm going to leave these people, but I'm going to find a way to get them out. I'm sure that's what she thought. Mm-hmm. Or else it would have been really hard to leave. Mm-hmm. Unless you can kind of run with that thought. And I don't know, did she get her family out? Do we know that? Mm. Yeah, I think she did. Most of those people are. Um, this, what about her husband? Does she have anything to say about that relationship? It's funny, love and family haven't felt so present in what she immediately talks about. It's less about her own personal life and more about everyone else's. So let's see if she wants to share anything about that. Trying to figure out when she... Do you know how old she was when she left? Um, she wasn't a child, but she wasn't... I don't, I don't think she had children, but she was married. So she probably was in her 20s. I need to have a phone so I can research while that one's recording. Mm. <laughs> Can you use mine? Yeah, maybe, eh? Yeah, she went back 13 times. Wow. Oh. Actually, it's not 400 people. She rescued approximately 70 similarly enslaved people, including family and friends. She was an army scout and spy for the Union Army. And later in life was a suffragettes. That's cool. Um, Yeah, it was to Philadelphia. So in 1849, she escaped to Philadelphia. We don't know when she was born. Uh, 22, they think. 1822. So she would have been 39, I guess, when she is... No. No, Mm -hmm. 20-something. Yeah. She was born in... Yeah, 1822. 22, 22, 27. Yeah. Uh, She was beaten and whipped as a child. Yeah, she got that traumatic head wound, so she always had this hole in her head. Can't really see it in that picture. What was your question? About the family and marriage. When she left, what, what, what oh, year yeah. did she leave? Oh, 22. Oh, 40, oh, sorry, she was 29. Okay. 27. Okay, so this or is... yeah. During the, Civil, during the Civil War, she worked for the Union Army, and then, res- and then she guided this raid that liberated more than 700 enslaved people. Forgot about that. She was in the war. So was she married when she left or not? Um, I thought she was, according to the movie. I can't trust they need a love story. Well, no, because she comes back and he's with somebody else. Oh. I don't feel like she would have left without her children, though, if she had them. Uh, oh, okay. Okay, so she got married in 44. Before she left. Before she left. And changed her name to Harriet Tubman because she used to be called Araminta. So, yeah, it's interesting that... I mean, it's neat, right, how people... It's like you need... Like you said, she's not the only one. 
but it was an important time to start doing that. And of course, then more and more people, and then the whole thing flips over and the tide turns and then there's civil war and then all black people are free or all slaves are free. Probably sent down at a specific time for a specific role to help this like larger movement. And then, and then, yeah, and then she took part in the civil war. So does she, is there anything she wants to say about that time? It feels like such a different time. Like there's a clear shift energetically in society. It's almost like during her time as a slave, um, you're living in this very narrow corridor um, of you know how far you can go and where what you can do. And she's just kind of in and out, in and out of helping people. But then when it comes to civil war, it's like that hallway widens into like a room or even an open field where there's more space for things to change, more action that she and others in her position can take. So it feels very different. It's almost like, oh, breath of fresh air that we can overtly do something now, overtly fight. Mm -hmm. Because before it's like, we'll just have to do whatever we can sneakily. And now the country knows there's a civil war, so we're getting involved. And also that there's people on their side. Mm -hmm. That must have meant a lot. Yeah, and then being able to express that rage and, and, and channel it into action mm -hmm. against the oppressors. Mm -hmm. I do feel like there are points within that, though, where things would have got a bit messy. It's like that's where the agenda could kind of steer into a more egotistical way and be less about just saving people and more about what can we take, which, Women. I mean, they've been taken from their whole lives so so what do you mean by that like from her perspective taking well what actual change can we really implement now what can we take for ourselves what life can we take back what life can we live and i don't feel like everyone on that side in the civil war were necessarily positive influences because yes you want to free yourself but there's also a taking of tit for tat like, you, you've taken from us, we've had nothing, so what can we have now? Plus, it's a war, so people are dying. Yeah. Like, it's hard to remain a saint during a war. Yeah. But sometimes conflict has to happen. There has to be a... I hate to say that people have to die. Maybe they do. Or at least it's inevitable. Well, things wouldn't change unless they blew up. Yeah, complete, like, turning of the system on its head. Just like... Yeah. We're kind of living through that time right now, which is quite interesting on a different mm -hmm. level, but very similar, right? Things falling apart, the old ways of doing things and the old power systems mm -hmm. are crumbling. And because if the other side don't let go, if they won't choose to let go, then they have to be forced to let go and taken out. So that's the only way. Mm. How does she feel about having been a part of that war? It does feel like it's slightly against her nature. So it feels kind of strange and I don't have the best feeling in my stomach about it. But I'm hearing like, if I have to wear that hat, then I'll wear it. I feel like she could have stopped at what she did and that would have been enough. But she had a bigger mission, I think. This was just the next phase. Yeah. So she had like the people on the individual level and then it became more of a collective. Yeah. 
And people looked to her at that point because she had done so much. They looked at her to continue and to lead. Did she feel like she wanted to or it was more she let herself be pressured into it a little bit? Like I said, it doesn't feel natural. So there's a slight discomfort I feel within her. Yeah, like leading people to fight feels strange. Almost like she could just be the figurehead and the people marching with her are on the same level, you know, they're doing it together. It's not like she's doing it on her own. So she doesn't feel like, oh my God, I'm this terrible ringleader that's leading people to death or gonna kill people. It's like, we are marching for our right to freedom together. At the same time, she's, I'm wondering if she's feeling worried or sad that all these people who are on her side are dying for the cause. It does feel like a bit of a shame because she worked so hard to free people to save their lives. And then that that's where the shift feels strange. It's like, oh, now I have to take the next step and things are actually going to get worse. Like I thought that was the worst, but now things are going to get worse. That was almost like a little test. And so I think there's a sense of feeling disheartened at that point because, oh shit, that's not the end. Getting people I love out isn't the end. And it's about to get much worse. And I can't not be a part of it. Do you think it wasn't enough to just get them out and then like wash your hands of it and sit on the front porch? She had to keep going. How does she feel about her legacy? I feel like in general she's remembered very well, as she should be. But again, she's showing me that she's one of many. And I believe she feels there's other people that should be remembered just as much as she is. And I don't know why I'm being asked to ask this. Mm -hmm. Did she play music? I want to say yes. I feel like she could have sung. If so, I don't know why it's important, but was it for the slave movement? Was it for perhaps maybe did she make music while she was a slave and that music was um, symbolic in some way and only they could understand, the, the slaves could understand? feels like it's something of her own and their own that they could have. And does it have anything to do with the Civil War? Did she use it when she was spying for the Union Army? What do you know, Brennan? I have no idea. (laughs) Uh, It doesn't necessarily feel like a calculated thing. It feels more like a joyous something that that, that was theirs thing. We're here, we're together, we're powerful, let's sing. But also, as slaves, that would have been very dangerous. Isn't that part of how they communicated too with some of the songs in the field that they would sing while they were working and stuff? I haven't heard that. Yeah, it feels like it's, even if she didn't, people would have, there would have been musical influence within, obviously, the slave community. Um, But that's another risk to take because they find power and joy in that. And I don't feel the owners would have wanted that. And it's so sad, because people normally say the one thing you can't take is my voice. Well, nowadays you'd say that, freedom of speech. But back then, they, they still had to protect it a lot. Have you guys seen that movie, 12 Years a Slave? Yeah. Oh, I read that book, I think. I haven't before. seen that. It's good. I watched that one there. That's a true story. When, what time frame? Same time, earlier, before it was abolished. Um, 
you know, it's a free black man or family living in somewhere in the north. And people, these slave traders would go up north and they would kidnap freed slaves or, or just free men. Mm-hmm. And they would take them down and sell them in the slave market. He was 12 years as a slave and he managed to smuggle out letters and um, and one, I think, lawyer took up the case and managed to set him free. But it's a, it's a riveting story and brutal. Yeah, he talks about this one lady that was captured with her child at the same time that he was and how she just cried and then they, they sold the kid somewhere and she, this woman just cried to herself to death. Mm-hmm. Like, so like, you know, the splitting up the families, like that's a real thing. It happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like you, you hear about it, but then to like read that he saw somebody like just the grief from that, and that's multiplied by tens and thousands, and it's tragic. It's one of the worst things you can do to a person. Yeah. I love that she has such a light energy and like joyous nature and humbleness about her, having lived through. I think of probably seeing a lot of really horrible conditions yeah. in her life. Um, It's always interesting, the ones that rise above that and can kind of see the bigger picture or, I don't know, see the humanity or or what they can offer even in that. Reminds me of people in Auschwitz Mm -hmm. and those that just died of despair and then the ones that figured out the system and even escaped. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But even in saying that, I could hear her like, well, I wasn't always a saint, you know, I did bad things too she had to cause harm to people and fight but yeah that's kind of the nature of being alive in this time you know you could say oh it's being done to me so I won't do it to somebody else but there has to be a level of fighting back well if somebody's going against your will and invading your space you've had to defend yourself yeah did she like um, living in the north the free north (laughs) Well, it's a shift because you've gone from being a slave to not being one, but you're still not accepted. There's still like, I don't know, was segregation in the North or just the South? Just the South. But but that was after. I mean, segregation came yeah, after. Yeah, after slavery ended. But even so, just because something isn't a law there doesn't mean that the people like you. Yeah, I mean, it's... You know, it's the age-old thing of different races not yeah. trusting each other and yeah, lower-class citizens. And how do you create a life somewhere that you're not really meant to be? Oh. What is, what's the singing piece? So she sang Swing, swing Low, Sweet Chariot. Mm. Do you know that song? Yeah. So she created that song for the Underground Railroad used to warn slaves that either either safe to come out or very dangerous they should stay hidden mm. okay that's a great song yeah. she, did she write it? that's her song so it's, oh. it's for the Underground Railroad yeah secret codes transmitted through singing um, I could see how in the north it'd be almost the same thing you have to have your own community with other people of your color and then what do you Back have? Then. Does someone give you money to live? Or do you have to find a job and people don't want you to work? Or they pay you nothing because you're black? And it's cold. Yeah. 
<laughs> it's cold. Number one thing, it's cold. Yeah. <laughs> it's be an adjustment. Yeah. Yeah. It's just shit. It's like you've, for centuries, people have been displaced from their actual homes. And then you keep being moved and you try and create a new home, but it's just at your core, that's not your home. But you do the best you can and you're like, okay, well, I'm, I'm free now, but you're not really free. So what do you do? Make the best of a shit situation. Yeah, just try to get by with your friends and family around you. And yeah. There's places like Jonestown created. Have you ever heard of that? No. It's kind of where um, ex-slaves could go and have their own... I don't know if it's called Jonestown, but I think it was. Um, they could go and have their own, not just community, but city. And they could work there, live there, have, well, commerce there, eat drink, bars, grocery stores, that kind of thing. So that's kind of, I guess, if they wanted to remain sane a little bit. Well, their lives are constant battles. Uh, I mean, they didn't, we didn't get through segregation until the 1970s, pretty much. It's insane. And, and even now, just still... to say that, oh, we're equal. And then, then you even go to the women. We're still having issues with that. <laughs> We're still having issues with segregation. Mm. so And it just keeps coming back, doesn't it, in different forms. Right? Yeah. Like, it's just human nature to want to other mm -hmm. different groups. You know, now it's like, it's you know, refugees. Like, we can't have them here. Or the unvaccinated people can't have them here. You know, like, just trying to separate people into... And different that's groups. the trick on separating people, putting them in different groups. It's so stupid and people keep doing it. And I mean, maybe maybe the solution is that people get to go have their own communities and live in peace, but then they'll start fighting about something else too. And I always find it really interesting that the, you know, the different groups that hate each other the most are the most closely related. <laughs> you know, like, say, Greeks and Turks. Yeah. You know, they like really hate each other. Or like all those, you know, those wars, um, where was that, in Rwanda? You know, they're killing each other over, but they're, you know, to anybody else in the rest of the world, you'd think, oh, these are pretty much the same people. They live in the same country, have the same customs, speak the same language. Why do they hate each other so much? Yeah, yeah it's fascinating. Human beings, it's a very, it's weird to be one and then to be able to like see us as a collective and... We have some really strange quirks. At the same time, it's, it's so... Like, when it comes to violence, it's actually just a small percentage. And it's a very small percentage bringing us to violence. Like, giving you the ideas of, okay, this is a bad place. I'm going to convince everybody that this is a bad place. And we're going to invade or we're going to throw rocks at or whatever. To me, it's a small percentage. Because if you... I'd say 95% of the world, and I've said this many times, is that they would rather just have peace and live a regular life. Mm, yeah, right. of course, you'll have disagreements and arguments, and that's just life. Because who are we? If we all just completely agree, we'd be robots. But with, with not being robots and being different like that, we can come up with better and better ideas, better inventions, and better um, ways to deal with life. At the same time, I mean, we, I think you're right. We keep going through these cycles of kind of slavery, yeah. slavery in one way or another. When also these cycles exist at the same time. So it's not like one ends, another one starts. And like there's constant cycles of 
um, segregation, separation, vilification. Yeah, the other. I think how many other categories exist right now? So many. Yeah, probably the most like ever we, have done. We're supposed to be coming together, but we keep creating more separation. Yeah. <laughs> and then we keep creating anger with that separation. Yeah. And within that, people think, oh, it's individuation of like, I'm freeing myself from what I've been told I am, but I'm not. But then that just creates more separation. So it's the other extreme now. But at the same time, the separation, I think, is is the the anger put behind it. Like, you have... It's an outlet for anger, you mean? It's one way, I think. Yeah. And it's... Everybody's so individual that then they're all miserable because they don't have the collective. And I think we are social creatures by nature. Yeah, I mean... We really are. They did those terrible experiments way back when where um, they would have a child not be touched. Yeah. That's horrible. And it didn't survive. Yeah. They don't survive. If they're you not given love touch. when they're born, yeah. they will just wither and die. Yeah. No matter like if humans. they're getting fed, no matter if they're getting enough oxygen, they're non, you know, they have no diseases, they'll still mm. wither away and die. That's fucked. So I guess I would say to Harriet, you know, what, what advice can she offer us? Having lived through what she's lived through, um, you know, and seeing the world as it is right now, mm. what is it, what is it that we need to hear? Receive. There's a sense of peace within her that that era of history ended because slavery doesn't look like that anymore. I mean, it still exists, but that was such a large global piece of history. And she's really glad that that ended and she played a part in that. Yeah, at the same time, it feels like what every other soul would say that lived through something. It's this feeling of, but we're still doing it. And it doesn't mean that they wouldn't do it all over again. They wouldn't put in that effort because it didn't completely end. But I do feel like a frustration and it's very hard to understand from that perspective why things don't actually change. Is there anything she can tell us how we can just be one, one race, one how we can just work together and love one another, regardless of our differences? Is it possible? I was just thinking that, like, are we meant to be? Because we're not. Obviously, If you look at skin color, gender, they're things that we're born with. Whereas religion, man-made. Um, I can't think of any other example right now, but... Po political affiliations. Yeah, man-made. But at the same time, archeology, like, if you look at ancient archaeology, we all came from the same color. And then when we branched out, we, our pigments changed. So we're kind of are the same. We're all brothers and sisters. I don't know. If we just, and on a soul level too, we're all one. Yeah. yeah. We just chose to live on, in different geographical locations on Earth. And is that the goal? To Since we're so different, is, it, is the goal, one of the goals as, as a soul coming into the human race is to find the commonality, to find the love and peace with everybody? I feel like that's the ideal answer. That love we're and all peace. working towards that is oneness. Because on a soul level, we are. But even on a soul level, I feel like there's still individuation and... Mm -hmm. Definitely. Um, 
So I, I don't really like the idea that we all just merge into one. But I think, it, coming back to the Jesus episode, it's like on judgment and acceptance. Why do we keep judging the other? That's exactly. Why aren't we just accepting? Yeah, and being able to make peace within differences. And um, Does oh, she know why? Why do we do this? Why do we do this? It's ego. It's like that power-hungry fear. It's, I call it an irrational fear. I mean, it always comes out when there's economic hardship, right? You can get along with your neighbors just fine when everybody's got money and everybody's got a job, but that those things, and you start losing what you think is your right or what you had, then you're, humans like to always find someone to blame for that. Mm-hmm. And it's easiest to choose different religion than me, different skin color than me. Yeah. And in those moments where you're scrambling for survival, most of us would probably do anything to come out on top. And so there's, down in Mexico, there's, there's these areas that get devastated by storms every single year. And, uh, they've realized that nobody's going to help them, all these communities around there. And the government's not going to help them, nobody's going to help them. So what they do, some are poor, some are moderate, some have money. What they do is they come together and they work together and they rebuild their community together after a big major catastrophe happens because nobody else is going to help them. So I think um, there are differences in in a certain type of world and there's commonality and um, acceptance and help a community in other parts of the world. Because I think, why am I even saying that? So is the central government good or is it better to have... Well, what I was, yeah, I'm I'm saying that people can work together and make changes and they do all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, And what, what's the difference? What separates those kind of people from what you hear about in the news of the tribalism that we're constantly being forced down our throats? That's a good question. I'm trying to get Harriet Tubman to, to, to <laughs> give us an answer here. Okay, right. Simplify your question and I'll ask her. Um, there are people that can, there are groups of people and people that can live in a world of acceptance and understanding like all of us. Okay. And why, why is it that that can happen and over here this doesn't happen, but we focus on this? She's explaining it to me. As when you're in something together, so she's showing me back to slavery. When you're in it together, there's a common goal. So, like you're talking about Mexico and and people with different economic backgrounds. Yeah, uh, they come together because there's a common goal there of saving your local area or like protecting yourself against something outside of you. And it's funny because on the other side, when you think about now where we see that happening, they try to make a common external goal, like let's save us from Schmovid. Let's, um, the aliens are coming, you know, like they try and externalize a threat. And then the, but the, the goal isn't a positive one. So like with, within slavery, it's like the goal is a positive one for freedom. Mm-hmm. This goal right now, is an agenda, a negative one, not a positive goal. So I don't know if that it's makes sense. not from the heart. That makes yeah. sense. That's where I was going with it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so if we can all feel like we're working towards something together that's going to benefit everybody and rise us all up, 
then we're more likely to get along. And I think and on an energetic frequency level, this goal is, is given to us by the government or whatever. News. Uh, yeah. And within us somewhere, it doesn't resonate. Maybe, you, I mean, I feel like the three of us are quite conscious of what's going on. Not everyone in the world is, but on an energetic level, the frequency just doesn't sit right. So they don't reach that goal because it's not a goal towards love and peace. And somewhere inside you know that because it doesn't feel quite right. So it never materializes and it just escalates. And then there's more division, more conflict, and we're even more fucked. Hmm. It's a very tricky formula to get right, I think, especially since there's billions of people. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm wondering if we should wrap it up on this note. Yeah. And um, yeah. I agree. Anything else? Harriet, it was such a pleasure to I really like this episode. Meet, yeah. meet you. Um, I don't think the movie quite does her justice. I, I mean, watch it's, this movie it's an interesting it's interesting for the details of her life, but as far as the essence of her, I really enjoyed yeah, how she came through and what she had to show us. And a, a very, very interesting insight into that time. And I felt it really strongly like mm the life of a slave in a slave community. And we barely even scratched the surface on what that was really like. I could feel this could go on for hours. Oh my God. And, and also acknowledging that the privilege we're speaking from, and we know absolutely nothing about living Hardship. a life like that. At the same time, we've had souls that have lived through, or past lives that have lived through terrible things. A hundred percent, yeah. We all have, we've all had a variation of different lives. Um, but I feel like that time deserves a deeper conversation and more acknowledgement that we can't give it here right now and also feel like it's not for us to do that because um, yeah. we're not we've never dealt with that no. in this life yeah. and it's not our history in this life so um, yeah yeah well, thank you, everybody, for listening. If you enjoy our episodes, please um, take some time to support us, however that looks like. Maybe it's liking us, following rating. us, uh, giving us a good rating. Five stars. Yeah, something like that, because um, I think we've realized that we do want to get this message out to more and more people, because every time we have these, it's always quite profound and needed for you know where the world is right now so please do help us get the message out and share our podcast bye for now thank you so much bye